Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Non-League Podcast. We've got three interviews this week for you and plenty of talking points up and down the leagues and cups. Upsets, top of the table clashes and leaders toppled. I'm John Phipps, and as usual, I'm joined by Matt Gerrard. It's our 25th show. We've reached a quarter of a century, or if you prefer, a silver anniversary. I assume in celebration, Matt, you're all decked out in silver, like some sort of tin man from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, my, my bones these days aren't I am like tin man. I still probably have problems with my toe, by the way. I don't think you play may or not be interested, but it's still not healed properly. But I've got a bit of a quiz for you, John. You need to sort out for next week. OK. Because apparently, I know you love your reality TV, Yes. Michael Thalassitis is in a programme called Celebs Go Dating. That might not be the right name. So, I don't know you love that sort of thing. Can you find out how he gets on for me? Uh, well, I, I have never watched Celebs Go Dating, so that would be very unlikely. And if I remember rightly, it's quite a long-running programme as well. So, I mean, Thalassitis is an interesting chap. I mean, obviously, he's a so-say a Margot player, but he hasn't turned up all season. But clearly, he's been on Love Island. He's been on... Um, Celebs go dating. He's obviously just a, a young man desperate for love, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I feel a bit sorry for him. There's, you know, all those lovely people out there, and he has to go and find it on, uh, on television. So, yeah, I don't know much about celebs go dating. I'm assuming celebrities date each other, mate, going by the title. So, uh, we're interested to see how he gets on on that. But uh, clearly, well, I tell you, it's his career over, and now he's just a, a C list celebrity who goes on these programmes. He'll be on Cobb Diamond next, which I, which I used to like, but I don't watch anymore. Uh, well, who knows? I, I think this is actually where they get celebrities, and I'm not quite sure how Michael Thalassitis fits into this, and then put them on dates with regular people. And, I mean, Thalassitis, let, let's not forget, this time last year was a regular fella. So, interesting co- uh, context, that. But, um, yeah, I will, I will endeavour to not watch that, but I'm sure we'll find out somewhere from some somewhere in the ether it will be mentioned how he gets on. And, and let's just hope, out of all of this, Michael Thalassitis finds the love he's clearly so desperate for. Yeah, hey, hey, hey. Anyway, we've got lots and lots to talk about that's actually football-related this week. And we're going to start in the Southern Counties East League with a big game last weekend, as we talked about last week, came when Lordswood met Chatham in El Chavico. At the start of the season, you'd definitely have backed the Chats to be the higher place of these two, but it was the home side that prevailed, winning 2-1. The Chats goal was scored by Gary Alexander in his final appearance for the club, and we'll be talking about him later. That was just one of the topics I discussed when I spoke with Lordswood boss Richard Stiles. We started, of course, by talking about what that win over their local rivals meant to him. Um, over the moon, obviously, delighted with the result. Um, really happy with the performance. And um, we know, obviously, it's a big game. It's a local derby. Um, on a personal note, obviously, I've had some history with Chatham and playing there, etc. So, um, yeah, you always want to do well against your local teams and against teams you've been involved with. Alexander scored their goal so you know he's an experienced player and you must be pleased with the fact that your team was able to sort of counter him and make sure they got the three points yeah absolutely I mean we started very well in the game and obviously went one new up um, and then we let him back in it a little bit we took our foot off the pedal um, which I wasn't too happy about and then obviously they scored um, and at that point obviously it's anyone's game um, you know we scored at a good time you know we scored literally a minute before half time um, and there's been a number of occasions when it's been the other way round but you know really pleased to get that goal to then go into half time where we can regroup and, and um, you know change a few little things and make a few little tweaks and um, El Chavico, that's a stroke of marketing genius, isn't it? I think so, yeah, I think so. I mean, um, Paul Coldfield come up with the, uh, who's the vice chairman, he come up with the um, stroke of 
slogan and the hashtag. And uh, yeah, it, to be fair, obviously it banded around quite a bit um, before the game and after the game. And, you know, all the lads are, are tweeting about it as well. So, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's all good publicity. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's uh, quite inventive from Paul. I suppose for you guys, looking at, I mean, there's, there's obviously four Medway clubs in, in the Southern Counties East League. At the moment, you're, you're the top one of those. I guess like, winning that mini league would be really good for you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm originally from Medway, so, you know, I'm quite aware of the other three teams in Medway. Um, and, and you're right, it's always nice to, to be the top sort of club in Medway in your league. Um, and, and that is something we'd like to be, and, and for that to continue, really. Um, obviously, you know, you've got two who are right to the bottom. Um, I mean, in an ideal world, you'd like them two to stay in the league um, as it goes on. But um, So you have them local derbies, but, you know, that's just circumstances. But um, obviously Chatham are a big club. They've got a big reputation. Um, you know, they've been a league above us for a long, long time. Um, you know, for people looking at the league table and looking at the result on Saturday to see, you know, Lords would be in Chatham and being above Chatham, um, you know, it's certainly positive and, and going along the right way of how we want to do things. That's the thing, I mean, obviously, you, I, I don't really know what your aspirations would be as Lords, but with some big clubs in this league, you're, you're probably not going to be realistically challenging, so I guess you just be as hard as you can. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a lot of big budgets in this league now, um, in comparison to sort of three, four, five years ago, and, you know, to compete with them and, and to get as close to them as possible is always, is always obviously the aim. Um, I'm a very ambitious person, I want to do as best as I can, and I want to, and, and that's just the way I am. Um, that was the outset with, with us at the start of the season, um, regrouping after last season. Um, and like I say, we're just trying to push on. And, and from day one, we just take it game by game. You know, we prepare for every game, um, try and get as many points out of that game as possible, and then we move on to the next one. Um, one thing I would say is obviously the league table is very tight. Um, it has been for a while, so you know one or two wins can make all the difference. Um, but at the same time, one or two losses and, you're, and you can drop down quite a bit as well. So you know we've just got to make sure we, we stick together and we, we keep working hard and pushing on. Really, I suppose the frustrating thing for you as well is after you just win on Saturday, you now have got a game this weekend. Yeah, I mean momentum um, comes into play a little bit now. So yeah, we are we are. Um, chomping at the bit really to have a game and, and wish we did have a league game now you know we've won three on the bounce and it'd be great to go into a game on Saturday but you know that's just circumstances and it's something we've got to deal with obviously it's my job now to keep the boys at it and make sure fitness and, and we don't become sluggish um, and you know we've, we're ready to go when we play Beckenham um, a week after I suppose there may be people who don't know a lot about Lords with the, the, the club and the team so t tell me a bit about them I mean, they've been at this level for a long time now, um, and I obviously I played for the club um, towards the back end of my playing career, and it's, it's, a, it's a family club, you know, the committee are, are really great to work with, they're friendly, and you know, they'll, um, they'll welcome anyone if you like, um, you know, the slogan on the badge is no battle, no victory, and, and that's what the club is about, and it's proud itself on a little bit, um, you know, it's always a tough battle against Lords, isn't it, it was when I played against them years ago, um, and, and we take that philosophy and then add it to it, is my own philosophy in terms of how we play, um, the changing room atmosphere is superb, I've got a superb bunch of lads there at the moment, and when I played for the club, I had a good, very good changing room under Jason Lillis, and it was, it was very strong, and the boys were all there for each other, and that's something that stuck in my mind when I got the job, is that I wanted to sort of recreate that atmosphere, um, and, and we've achieved that, and you know, 
actually my job to, to continue that and for it to carry on. Um, but, you know, I'd certainly, certainly say that's part of our identity, um, is having a group of players that, you know, will we'll die for each other and fight for each other and battle for each other. Um, but at the same time, you know, the changing room's absolutely buzzing and in the bar after a game they're buzzing. Um, and the training, you know, they're all buzzing and, you know, the banners flying off each other. Um, so they're an absolute credit to the club. Um, and it's a good place to be. You know, we're trying to make changes and do bits we can step by step to make the club better and, and to progress the club. And, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. But um, I'm sort of just over 18 months into the job now. And um, and if you look at where we are now to when I took over, you know, it's, it's a totally different place and it's a different atmosphere, which is pleasing. But like I say, we haven't achieved everything yet and we've just got to keep going. There's lots to like about that interview, I thought, Matt. Lords were a proper Kent League club from back in the day when I was first interested in that level of football. And I guess what you said there was pretty fair. That They just want to be as good as they can be in what is a competitive league with some big budgets. Well, I think you mentioned it when there's four teams in Medway. And of course, they're always going to be in the shadows of, of Gillingham and, you know, the gates that they're going to get are not going to be good. But what a day for that. I'm surprised that the mainstream media didn't pick up El Chavico. It's one of these, the BBC gossip sites or anything like that. Think about it just as... It's a lovely story, great invention by the vice chairman. I think he said in that article. But again, a good article. Perhaps somebody who clearly loves football so much that he's given something back. He's played in the Medway area, and that's a fantastic result against Chatham. Chatham really not having a great season, but they've turning form there. But Gary Alexander playing for them, as we mentioned before. But yeah, a really enjoyable interview, and you can see somebody's got a bit of passion for football. You know, it's not just all the high levels that people got passion. Clearly, Richard loves the game and he's given something back, which is fantastic. And uh, ragging rights in El Chavico for Lordswood. Indeed, I think what was interesting as well was the way he talked about, you know, there being a family club and there being that real sort of family ethos and family atmosphere there. And, you know, these clubs at, at this level, you know, the Southern Counties EC, they, they are what they are. And that's not to take anything away from them. But Lordswood know their place. They know their their place there is to be a, a close-knit club for that community. They're never going to get... You know, that unless someone comes in with millions and millions of pounds, they're never going to really go any higher than where they are now. But if they're going out there, they're competing, they're getting the odd good result on a big day like they did on Saturday, then it's job done for a club like Lordswood, isn't it? Oh, and of course, they're developing people on and off the pitch. People who may have fallen out of love of the game, coming back in, getting a bit of stability in their life. You know, we've always mentioned it before on the pod. There's so many good people out there in non-league football who do so much good behind the scenes for, for little or no money at all. They just do it for the love, love of football and the love of the club. And Lordswood will be a, a prime example of that. And I hope the Lordswood fans walked out of that ground on Saturday thinking, yes, we've beaten Chatham. And that's what it's all about. I know, I know a few people, uh, there's a few so bits on social media about it. Well, that's what it's all about, football, enjoying it. Well done to Lordswood, I say. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting one as well, because I was thinking about this, obviously, Knowing that I was speaking to Richard, Lordswood obviously at the moment are Medway's premier non-league club where they are. I think they're ninth in the Southern Counties East League. And I was also thinking about this on Saturday when I was driving up to Dartford. Obviously, I covered Dartford for Radio Kent. I live in Sittingbourne and apart from Gillingham and Maidstone, that Middle Kent corridor is bereft of a top-class non-league team or a top-class team, you know, and it's not as if Gillingham are getting massive crowds. I think they had 4,500 on Saturday and then you've got Maidstone, you know, they bring in a few, but where are the teams going up that A2 corridor, you know, in the sort of middle of the county, your Canterbury's, your Faversham's and all that, there's just no one there who's really 
pushing on and really going for it. And I guess the hope is eventually maybe Canterbury might be thinking they can fill that void. But for the moment, there's not really a lot of quality non-league football in the middle of the county, is there? <laughs> Kent's not normally classed as a hotbed of football anyway. We know from the pod there's loads of teams out there from that point of view. I presume Canterbury, if they get the, the ground back, um, the population of Canterbury's big, you know, they've got a big student population, maybe they can get out from there. I don't know what population the likes of Sittingbourne, Faversham, Canterbury, up that way have got, but there must be a lot of people who probably support Manchester United who are not interested in going to watch their local football team, but we've seen before, go out there and enjoy it. Kent is a big county, we've got one main club, okay, Jill's get four or five thousand, but there's a lot of people who enjoy their football, and again, it's easier said than done, but all on this, if we can get certain people who sit at home watching Sky Sports rather than a Saturday afternoon and go and watch the likes of um, uh, Lordswood, Canterbury City, and Glebe and people like that, I think we've done something as well for the community. Get people out there and watch football. There's more football than watching on the telly. But unfortunately, that's how, the, how it works at the moment. Yeah, it is. It's interesting as well. Another thing I, I should mention now is that when I was uh, on Tuesday night, I put a tweet out from the Kent NL podcast account. Um, asking, you know, what, what what stories we may have missed. And someone got in touch and said, you know, why don't you cover the Southern Counties East League Division 1? And I said to him, I, I was pretty honest about it. I said, from the very outset, we kind of made made a decision that we just wouldn't have time to give that level of football justice because we've got six teams in the National Leagues, we've got 13 in the Bostock League, and we've got, you know, and then you've got the Southern Counties East League Premier. And, 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 you know, there are so many clubs out there and we'd love to give them all that sort of level of coverage, but... I just don't think it's workable. But that's not to say that we don't appreciate what's going on there. And there, there are obviously some big stories. And when those teams are doing well, you know, we are keeping an eye on them. But unfortunately, we just don't have time to go through them team by team like we often do with, with the teams higher up the pyramid. And and it is unfortunate, Matt, but there are so many clubs out there. And, you know, it, it there are obviously people who want to support local football. It's just finding that one that I suppose can go to the next level. Yeah. You look at that. Well, look at the league table here. K Sports. I think there are some sports ground. Is that Gillingham Way as well? Is it? I think. Uh, Maidstone. Maidstone. Maidstone Way. So, so they're top of the league. They could be coming into the into the Scaffold Premier League next. So there is a lot. Of, there's another 19 clubs in the in that division. You have got Crock and Hill. Well, I remember them in the in a big Kent League sort of side as well. Um, sporting club Thamesmead, and we've got Thamesmead in the in the Rhymer League. There's a lot of a lot of football out there. And so I know quite a bit about German football. But again, there's a certain levels after the you know the reserves are in basically the equivalent of the League One uh, over there in that position. There's no football underneath the, the English football pyramid and Kent in particular is really really thriving. So there's so many clubs out there. So you know, go and see one of those clubs. Go and watch the I don't know a game. My knowledge is not too good on this, but Kent Football United, Slotton Town, Lid Town. I know Lid. You know, hardly band full of people watching them. So. It's plenty out there, and of course, Eric and Belderville, they're in that division as well. So it's big, big clubs out there. If you can go out and watch one of your football clubs or one of your local teams, it really would make a difference to them as well, just to show the support is definitely out there. Yeah, obviously in that chat with Richard Stiles, did mention the other two clubs in Medway, and they're both cut adrift at the bottom of the table. And for Rochester United, the season hit a new low at the weekend as they were unable to get a team out for their game against Beckenham. They've been charged by the league and could face a fine and, and maybe a point deduction, but I don't think that'll happen. That's not a situation any club wants to find themselves in. They've been struck by injuries and illnesses. I think the hope is just a, a one-off, but not good at all that when you're having to call a game off for those reasons, is it? No, I suppose that they are struggling at the bottom of the league. There's a lot of illness going around from where we, people I work with and you know, people's, you know, they've got to 
weigh these things up. If they're going to be off from work, they don't want to be um, football as well. Just one of those things. Hopefully the league has a bit of um, common sense about this. I presume they may be losing points from that. That's happened in the team's higher level. Hopefully the fines are not going to be too prohibitive as well for Rochester United. Of course, I wouldn't have thought finances are too high on that. I think they're not playing their players too much if at all. So that's some common sense. And maybe I think they said that they tried a couple of days to get a team. They tried in it, but couldn't do it. Just one of those things. Maybe at this time of the year as well, it is a bit difficult. But hopefully they haven't got longer term problems that we could we'll be discussing in the future. Yeah, absolutely. This weekend, they're at home to lead Seven Oaks, who lost their 100% home record last weekend as they were held 2-2 by Canterbury City despite leading 2-0 after 11 minutes. Mickey Collinsman are still a point clear at the top with two games in hand. Elsewhere, Cray Valley had a great win at Crowborough, while there were also good wins for Glebe, Deal and Whitstable. Typically, though, there are only a few games in the league this weekend, with Beckenham going to Crowborough and Hollands and Blair against Corinthian, the only other games. But a number of teams are in Kent Senior Trophy action and the competition is now at its quarter-final stage. So the winners of the four ties this weekend, I, I guess it's starting to get a bit serious in that competition now. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's silverware at the end of the day. Players want to go into competitions to win it. Canterbury may be uh, the side that uh, got a good chance of that. Touch Chatham, would it be good for theirs? Long-suffering supporters that maybe lifted a little bit of trophy at the end of the season. Yep. Again, it, we've mentioned this before. We won't mention it again. There has been numerous... Thing that affects the uh, the league, and as we saw from uh, Richard, what he said about Lords, a great result from that point of view. Haven't got a game this week, and that's just a little bit frustrating. But nothing we can really do with the numerous cup competitions the uh, Skeffel has. No, I think the, the Kent Senior Trophy actually probably has a bit more gravitas than the Kent Senior Cup, which we'll discuss in a minute. But f- from my point of view, I remember when I was my first job in newspapers, I was working at the Whitstable Times, and they got to the Kent Senior Trophy final. Um, this was where, in the Kent League days before so many of those clubs moved up to the Ryman. And they won the final. I think it was at Central Park in Sittingbourne. And I just remember it being like amazing. The players was just overjoyed and celebrating. And it meant so much to them. And I think the Kent Senior Trophy still just about has that for for, player, for teams in the scaffold. And I mean, obviously, there's a fair smattering of Division 1 teams left in this competition as well. But, you know, a, a Canterbury City Whitstable final, for example, or Canterbury City Chatham, any one of those three teams would in there. That would actually be a really big game, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I think it probably is. Uh, yeah, we've been critical of the competitions like that, but maybe the Kent, um, the Kent uh, the Senior Cup is one that maybe not a thing, but at least for these little teams, a chance to win some silver. And that's, at the end of the day, that's what you want as a footballer to try and win a bit of silverware. Good luck to the sides involved. And maybe, I don't know when the final will be, but hopefully we, maybe we can uh, pop along to the final, John. That would be the same. Yeah, it'd be very nice, yeah. And talking of county cups, Maidstone won the big game against Gillingham on Tuesday night. Goals from Jack Paxman and Reese Prestige beating a very understrength visit. I, I called them Gillingham Waifs and Strays. I mean, that they, they had a, a number of first-team players in there, but none of the ones who'd played at the weekend. A few trialists and a few youngsters. And, you know, there were 1,600 people there to see it. And I, I guess the majority of them will have enjoyed the result. But the dual side probably wasn't what the Kent FA may have wanted from that game. From from a Maystone point of view, fair play. I think, and again, there's 500 Gillingham fans. So there's a big, of course, a big rivalry between the two clubs. So maybe that game will show that maybe they can have pre-season friendlies with each other. Maybe there's a little breakdown in communications. Work together at that point of view. Kent Senior Cup, not a great competition. Maystone have bragging rights. Maystone played near enough a full side squad. I think they probably need it for a bit of confidence, winning at home, etc. Like that. But, but I don't think Steve Lovell's too bothered about that. Probably the biggest gate in the Kent Senior Cup is probably seen for 20 years, I would have thought. 
And I, I would have thought it would not be beat for another 20 years. <laughs> well, unless they get... Well, unless race they Gillingham get in the final one day. But again, I don't think the Jills normally play anybody who's close to the first team. It's normally the reserve. So I think at least a bit of credit to Steve Lovell. He has played a, numerous, a few first team players and a few trialists. And people like Reese Murphy, I know, is interested in a couple of Ken clubs before. So uh, it'd be interesting if he get a deal there or will he uh, end up somewhere else in Ken? Yeah, we'll just stay with the cup competitions then in the FA Trophy. Um, we hear from a Dover player shortly, but before that, let's look at one of our Kent teams who really dipped out of the weekend. Ipswich needed a stoppage time goal to earn a replay against Warrington, but they really might as well not have bothered as their long midweek trip north ended with a 2-0 defeat. And the Cheshire side now travelled to Wealdstone in the next round. We've spoken before about how Kent teams will want to go far in the trophy. And, and although Charles Webster, I thought, on Radio Kent made some really good points about why it may not be necessarily the best thing to do to go so far into that competition. Um, I think Darren McMahon's going to be really disappointed with that, isn't he? Yeah, I think they said it was 10 years since they won it in 2008. So a competition, I think it's a competition that all our Kent sides could be looking to go long in. And I'm sure Ebsley, we were really disappointed with that. Warrington did a job on Paul Carter and a, manager, and a decent managerial career. High level hasn't really worked out for him. Warrington played really well from what I gather. Ebsley stopping and starting at the moment. That good result they had against Maystone beat them, but they'd lost the previous week to Chester. Clearly a long old trip to Warrington. I expected absolutely to do Warrington in the replay, but it didn't really work out for them. I think they'll be really disappointed to go out of the trophy. And I know it's a competition that you lose a lot of league games in, but one more win, you're in the quarterfinals, and then you can really start thinking about the Twin Towers. I think absolutely will be disappointed from that. Game concentrate on the league. Um, will they get in the playoffs? I still think they've got a good chance to get in the playoffs, but need to find some consistency. And I'm sure Dalton Marn will be really disappointed with that, because I'm sure the supporters follow Epsley remember that 10 years ago they want to, to see it again and I think they'll be a little bit jealous if one of our three of the remaining sides get to Wembley because they could have realised that could have been them I've just read an article actually about half an hour ago regarding um, the FA Trophy and I think it's in the non-league paper and they're saying the last two winners have been relegated at the same time so it's not necessarily the sort of distraction that clubs will want however I can't understand why Ebsfleet you know, well, I mean, they didn't put out an unstrength team, but they were just they were just unable to beat them. But you know, I, I heard Charles Webster's point about how you say, you know, you, if you get to semi finals, you've got consecutive Saturdays that are taken out of your league program. But the problem is, even if you don't get there, you could end up by a fate of the fixtures missing one of those games anyway. And uh, I, I'm really pleased that we've still got three teams going. Um, and and you know, we'll move on to them now. I mean, Bromley had an impressive win at Blythe Spartans. And if they go all the way, they'll certainly have racked up the miles as they've now got to make a 670-mile round trip to Workington in the next round after the Cumbrian side who play in the Northern Premier League beat Western Supermare in a replay on Tuesday night. And, you know, we've already seen Bromley have been away in every round so far. Went up to Blythe Spartans and must have thought, oh, well, our long trips might be over now and then get handed that one. That's a bit of a stinker, isn't it? I think that was the performance of the week, really, probably, because, you know, Blythe Spartans, um, difficult surface, diff- decent side, doing really well in the Conference North, and I thought that could be a real banana skin for him, but shows the quality of the squad. A good job at Neil Smith's game from there. He must be, he must, when he heard that draw, he must have kicked the cat, I expect, if he'd get out of cat, because he must be going to Blythe, then to Workington. They're going the hard way to do it, and I saw at the weekend, the Northern Premier League is a tough old division from that point of view. That's another tough old game to go, but if they're going to get so far in the competition, you're going to have to go to these places. But the Blythe one will give them real confidence, I think, from that. 
Yeah, um, Maidstone will face Gateshead in the next round at home. They won't want to replay in that one after they beat Haybridge Swifts. Um, and we should also mention Joe Piggott as well, who's left the Stones this week to join AFC Wimbledon. A local lad to Maidstone, dropped down to, to join the Stones, scored plenty of goals, and you got to wish him well. I mean, you obviously saw him twice over Christmas, Matt. Do you think he's got what it takes to succeed in League One? He had a better game in the first game. I think the 25 grand um, release clause, I think Gillingham were sniffing around him. AFC Wimbledon uh, a good move for him there. They've got some many, you know, he's going to play every week. Good movement. I like the money in the channels. He's not really a target man because in the in the game on New Year's Day that Manny Parry had a good game against. He just bullied him a little bit. But I think he's more. If you could have him off a maybe more of a target man, his movement's really good. I'm sure he'll do well. You know, he did all right for South End, uh, Luton a little bit as well. But when he went to Cambridge, it all went a little bit wrong for him. So again, it's, a, it's his second chance in the league. Uh, AFC Wimbledon Club. Clearly, you're probably on the up if they can move back to their spiritual home down at Plough Lane. So, a club on the up. Yeah, I think you'll do well. You'll score goals and I'm sure we'll see him over the years being a, a regular scorer in the Football League. And last of all, no means least, our Dover side, who's probably set up the tie of the last 16 against Leighton Orient by beating Marine. Here's defender Manny Parry. I think it was a tough game. They come in and made it a real cup tie. And to be fair, I don't think we were really at it, but... Credit to the boys, we stuck through and we made sure that we got into the next round. He's got an early goal, talking about that, it's just sort of hit you on the head and gone in, isn't it? Yeah, Kane headed it and I kind of half thought, I tried to get out of the way of it, to be fair, but I'll take that four for the season, so. Yeah, two and two games as well? Yeah, two and two games, so it's been a, it's been, it's been good. Yeah. All in all, the striker they had up front for uh, Marine, he's got two penalties. I, he's probably given you one of your toughest games we've seen. I thought he was excellent. Yeah, yeah, I think he, he come down and yeah, he gave me a real tough game and credit to him. I think he put himself about well and, you know, we made it hard, but we luckily were through. Again, defensively, the team was built on a solid defence at the beginning of the season. The last few weeks, you conceded some silly goals, I would say. Uh, is that a concern in the dressing room? Um, I wouldn't say a major concern, but we know as a group that we've conceded, you know, some sloppy goals, and you know we need to get back to where our form was at the beginning of the season, and you know being really solid. And I think for all of us as a team, not just a defence, we just need to go back to basics and doing what we do best. Will you put a finger on it? Why it's gone? You know, the defence hasn't been as solid. Um, to be honest, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I just think sometimes in football it goes like that and, you know, we, we ain't going through the best spell at the minute, but it's not the worst, but we know we can be better and I'm sure we'll be back and, you know, we've got a win today and it's a nice to get through to the next round and I think that will help us in this week's training to go to Boreham and try and get a result. You think a one win does boost the confidence up a bit? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's no secret that we haven't won in a while and, you know, so today, even though it wasn't the best performance, you know, at the end of the day, the main thing was to get through to the next round and, and that's what we've done. So, you know, we have to take confidence from that because it, it's a cup competition where there's going to be, you know, a couple banana skins and you look around other results, it hasn't been the best, you know, you can't predict it, but I think credit to the boys we're through to the next round take confidence from it and build from there yeah in the playoffs now you're on the seventh place in the league as well so there's some big games coming up as well coming up so you need to get back on you know keep that winning form going that's it um you know just just take today start up one win and you know we're going to try and just get back on it and get a couple wins you know we've had a couple draws disappointing loss but we'll be right back at it you know I think the boys will, will train hard this week and I have every confidence in the boys that will get some wins going again. Um, bit of a let-off for the Whites at the weekend then, Matt? 
I would say so. Fair play to Marine. They, they, I said in the commentary that they're better than some of the sides I've seen at the National League level. They'd be fair to them, they played attacking football and it pushed Dover off the, the kilter a bit because Dover always, um, when they get a, a set piece, you normally rely on people bringing everybody back. They left three people up, Marine, and that sort of get Dover off the kilter. They were in the game. The guy got sent off, I think it was a red card, Billy Smart, great name. Um, from, wisdom from the circus but amazingly somebody told me before the game or a few days before watch out for Billy Smart he likes a red card he lunged in on Manny Perry and he had to go Dave huffed and puffed had a chance to fill, kill him off but particularly uh, Mitchley up front for, for Marine he was absolutely brilliant the striker he caused Dave all sorts of problems and Dave threw and as Chris Kinnear said afterwards you know, nobody will forget we'll remember this result if Dave get to Wembley from that but it, it was a real um, kick up the backside I think again and Chris Kinnear wasn't happy at the final whistle, and I think he told the players from that it's a win. Uh, defensively, they're looking a little bit shaky at the moment. Mitch Walker again, confidence looks a little bit shot, which is a surprise because part before the Aldershot game, he, he, he was fantastic. So yeah, through in the next round, um, that's all you can ask for. But fair play to Marine, and, and I had to give them. Yeah, they brought quite a few supporters down. Really, really nice club. They really enjoyed their day out, and I think they probably deserved the replay. But thankfully, Dover got through. I suppose for Dover as well, you know, it's important to, to get a win of any fashion, no matter how it came, because, you know, they haven't been in great form and they're going to take something from that, even though Chris Kinnear may not have been best pleased with how it panned out in the end. Yeah, I think it's key that they, they got a win, got over the line from that. Some big games coming up now in the league uh, and also the Cup as well. Late Norrin should be, I'm sure Late Norrin will bring a few fans down. Hopefully Dover do something to get more fans in, because only 500 there. 150 from Marine, so got to do something to attract that. It's going to be a big game. If David can beat Lake Norton, you can see some of the sides who went out. Epsley went out last night. Portland Wood went out last night. Barrow went out last night. So there's not many top, apart from Sutton, maybe top end of the National League sides left in the competition. So the likes of Maidstone, Bromley and Dover get through the next round. I think you really think you've got a good chance to get to Wembley. So it's a, it's a key competition. It'll be tough against uh, Lake Norton, but Dover got a chance at home and uh, I'm sure Chris Kinnear you know, as an I would would love a trip out of Wembley come May Yeah and, and finally I've got to ask you after your faux part last week did you manage to complete your 90 minutes of commentary without calling it the Unibond League again? Uh, no, no I made sure I just called it the Northern Premier League I didn't rely on the sponsor this time so from that point of view but uh, for any, if you need any adhesive needs please go to Unibond Well I was going to say I was in my local DIY superstore one night last week and I saw Unibond, Evo Stick and Bostick all together on neighbouring shelves. What is it about adhesive products and non-league football sponsorship? I'm going on the basis that they are all the same company. I, I, I don't know which one's the king. Is it Unibond or a king of everybody? But I think they're, I think they must be the same company. I'm, I'm not too much up on... I'm not on DIY and adhesive products, but I think... I'm thinking that Unibond are the king companies and these other ones are sort of sister companies of the glue. There must be plenty of glue out there. Well, indeed. That's my glue. That's my glue speech, if there's any more. <laughs> Anyone knows more about glue or adhesives? Please let us know. Yeah, please do. Um, our National League team's return to league action this weekend with Ebbsfleet away to Aldershot. Tough game, that one. Dover go to Boreham Wood, also a tough game. Uh, Bromley have got the trek down to Torquay and Mason are at home to Eastleigh before Jason Orner's men then travel back up to AFC Fylde on Tuesday night for that rearranged game. Um, Tough games, those uh, all of them, pretty much, aren't they? <laughs> Bromley are racking up the miles, aren't they? Torquay, uh, Torquay are on the on the brink, really struggling. They're going to get relegated. 
if Bromley want to get into the playoffs, they need to go to Torquay and get a result. All the shot. Saw them against Dave a couple of weeks ago. They'll be out there and thereabouts. Wasn't too impressed that David probably should have won the game. And absolutely need to bounce back from Warrington. Well, against Eastley, Andy Hesitaler coming back. Of course, I'm sure he'll get a good reception from the Stains faithful. But they haven't lost in six as well. So, yeah, some tough games. And of course, I'll be, get, I'll be going to Bournemouth for Dover. I think Dover have played Bournemouth, lost the last three games, conceded 12 and scored one. So, a um, bit of a bogey team for them. And that's it's a big game as well. I think Bournemouth are three points clear of Dover. If they lose that, Dover, you know, the drift at the top goes a little bit bigger. But a win brings everybody a bit of confidence. Back and they're back in the playoffs. So, you now we're getting into the territory. I think this this is a 30th league game in a season for some of these sides now. So, sort of three quarters away through the season, and and you're looking at every game is going to be important come May. Yeah, we're, we're well, we're well over half an hour into the show now, and and it's only now we reached the biggest non-league league game in the county last weekend: Dartford against Havenham Waterlooville. Top against second in National League South, and I've got to admit I had high hopes for this one. Sadly, it wasn't one that will live too long in the men memory, but ultimately no one at Dartford will mind too much as they were the winners by one goal to nil. The goal came in the second minute by Tom Murphy, and after that, Dartford did a lot of defending. In truth, haven't had a lot of the ball, but they didn't create very much at all. Matt Tubbs missed their best chance two minutes from the end, but to be honest, the darts held out pretty comfortably, all told. Anyway, here's goal scorer Murphy. Pleased with that goal at the start? Yeah, it was obviously a good way to start a game. Obviously, scoring with that... The first attack of the game was good, got us into a good position and um, yeah, we managed to hold on to it for the rest of the game. It, was, it, was, it wasn't really backs to the wall stuff but your defence had to, had to muck in didn't they? But yeah, I thought like, from like, front all the way through to the midfield to up front I thought we defended really well. Like, I thought they had, they had large parts of possession but I thought from 1 to 11 I thought everyone defended really well which was good to see. I suppose for a forward-thinking player, you know, you do have to have that responsibility mm. and, and, and get stuck in. And today was definitely one of those days, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, like like you said, yeah, all the attackers today, we didn't really have much of the ball going forward. But you've got to do them defensive duties, and it showed that all of us can do them defensive duties as well as going forward and creating problems as well. I suppose ultimately they had a lot of the ball, but they didn't really create many clear-cut chances, and that's a credit to everyone. Mm. Yeah, that's like we said. Yeah, we obviously um, must have been doing our jobs right because. Um, I think they had a few half chances, but they didn't really have nothing clear cut. Yeah. When you come in after a game like that, where you've beaten an, another team at the top of the table, do you go in and check the other results, or are you just sort of focused on we've had a good win and we'll worry about it next week? Well, obviously at the minute, if we keep winning, we're at the top. Obviously today they had a couple of games in hand, but we know if we beat them, we stay at the top. No one else can catch us. So obviously you do keep an eye on some of the results to see if you're plugging away, but. Really, if we win our games, no one catches us, so we've got to just concentrate and keep winning, plugging away. Have you ever known a league this time? No, there's there's normally always like one, two, three that pull away. Last year there was obviously Epstreet and Maidenhead. We tried to catch them for a little while, and then, but this year no one's really going for it. Hopefully we can just open up now, go on a little four or five game run and pull away a little bit I suppose it's one of those isn't it wherever you have a good result you come in and someone else has had a good result mm. as well and you just can't seem to open up that gap mm. that, that you want to and, and, and I've spoken to a few people around here and there is that belief that you can go on and win this league yeah now the belief is there from like, all of us we've got a lot of people in their experience that have won this league before so there's no reason why we all can't do it again together I think last year's experience obviously of getting to the playoffs and, and finishing the season quite well is, is going to stand you in good stead, isn't it? Mm, yeah, I think it is as well. As I think we've added a few good additions. We've got a lot bigger squad today. Like You see even the players coming in and out. 
it's like for like. There's not, it's not if someone gets injured, someone comes in, it doesn't weaken the side. So we've got a very good squad, and I think that is going to help towards the end of the season. And just looking back at the goal, Alfie, Alfie did well, didn't he, to, to nod it in your direction? No, he and did. Good, good, calm, good, calm touch and finish from you. No, he did. Yeah, they had obviously they had three centre halves, and they all just got sucked into Alfie, and he's obviously just seen me and put it in my path. So from them getting all sucked into him, and then they just left me open, and I've managed to put it away. Solid win that one for the darts, Matt. They've just got to keep this momentum going now, haven't they? Yeah, I think I think Tony Burn will be absolutely delighted. It was a big game for them. Have level on points. Early goal defensively showed that they've got they've always had the pedigree. I think defensively, Dartford and keep a, a side like Avon um, and Waterloo out because they've got goal power. Jason uh, Jason Pryor, Matt Tubbs up top as well. So. A good, solid, ground-out 1-0 win, which you may look back in May. That could be uh, absolutely crucial from that point of view. And Tom Murphy, I, I really, when he first season Dover in the National League, he was probably Dover's best player, I thought. Came into the side, caused all sorts of problems, got a bit of pace, could score goals. And I thought, I think his head got turned a little bit because of league clubs um, looking at him at that end of that first season. And then he had injury problems and never really worked out for him. But on his day... If he sorts his final ball out, which he did at Dover, he can be a really good player for them. So, and it shows, you know, was he playing centrally or wide? Murphy? He was playing wide left. I mean, they started with a four-four-two um, with Pavey and Pugh together up front, and and then they got that early goal after, and then they sort of changed it a little bit. They dropped Pugh back and almost went into a sort of four-two-three-one formation, and Murphy was just constantly on the left-hand side, but he did spend more time defending than attacking. Yeah, yeah, I think. He's been nailed into him from Chris Kinnear that when he was at Dover because he played left wing on that he got a track back which he did. Again, I, I think he's he career went off the radar a little bit. Um, again, maybe he fell out with Chris Kinnear a little bit, had a bad injury, couldn't work his way in and, he's, and his form went out the window. But on his day, he probably is a good National League player if he's, he's conference up. Uh, he probably should score more goals but it sounded like a good finish from him in the game you were at. So, and it gives Dartford firepower. They've got Pavey, they've got Pugh, who are really, really great, very intelligent player. Danny Mills, if he comes good, and Murphy. And we know we've got Bradbrook and Hayes who can pick in a few goals. So, goals everywhere for Dartford. But that's a great result for them. And just going to build on that. All you've got to do now, they can probably see their league games go, take each game as it comes. And they've just got to keep doing that. Then there's no reason why they can't go up as champions. The way they dug in was what really impressed me. I mean, it it wasn't a pretty game of football. I mean, there was one, certainly in my update, I think it was the one uh, when they called me 10 minutes before half-time on Radio Kent and said, can we get you for an update? And I was like, um, I don't really know what I'm going to say. So I ended up talking about how Dartford could improve the game because there wasn't a lot happening. But once you've got that early goal, Dartford did exactly what they needed to do, which was, right, we're, we're winning. You come and score now. And haven't they... I say they had so much of the ball, but they just had, didn't have enough ideas to break down Dartford. And ultimately, you know, ha- they ended up with James Hayter, Jason Pryor and Matt Tubbs all on the pitch. And they only really worked Darren Ibrahim once. And it was none of those three that did it. And, you know, it was it was fantastic for Dartford to, to dig in like that. I mean, I've seen them four times this season now. You know, I've seen them free-flowing when they beat Bogner, free-flowing when they beat Welling at home. Battled a bit again in, in the game at Welling, but that was a completely different Dartford performance. And, you know, from that point of view, although it wasn't the most spectacular game football I've ever seen, I'm, I'm impressed with Dartford. Yeah, I think uh, Jay, James Hayter, I think he's got the quickest hat-trick in British football, isn't he? English football, I think. So, <laughs> Presti still goes. Yeah, I think, you know, some of the games you look back, probably Tony Berman, if you win games easily, 3-0 against Bognor and it's against Welling at home, 
it probably doesn't really it's pleasing but it, that probably against Tavern it's probably pleased him the most because that shows that against back to the walls we can get organised we can get solid we get the goal probably everything you work in training on shape etc like that comes to fruition so he'll probably look back as that's probably one of his pleasing well not the greatest performance in the world but from an organisation point of view how his team worked itself how they lined up how they worked the plan it's probably the most satisfying for him yeah, one highlight in the second half was a pitch invader at um, Prince's Park. Now, often pitch invaders are bad people, but uh, his name's Ronnie and he's nearly two. Um, he was expertly scooped up by Darren Ibrahim returned to his dad. And Dartford did tell his granddad on Twitter that on this occasion there will be no ban for Ronnie. Um, but I actually have to apologise to Ronnie because from my vantage point at Prince's Park, I thought he was a girl. I've got no idea why, but I did announce that to the listeners of the Sports Hub. I got his age almost bang on, so it seems I'm better at guessing the age of toddlers than I am the gender of them. Well, well, it's quite impressive. How the hell did little Ronnie get over the? He just walked through a gate or something. I've got no idea. He just it was early in the second half, and he just sort of appeared from the <laughs> far side of the stadium where 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 from where I was. He just sort of tod trotted onto the pitch and it was like well, this is very strange I don't know how he got if he got over or through because I mean the gates can be open there but yeah. very strange and as Matt Cole said on Radio Kent I uh, wouldn't want to be at the security debrief after that one because uh, you know they, they let him slip but you know all is not parents as well if, if that happened to my children I'm sure I'm Cast shot as well from wandering him off. So, yeah, parents, I thought I was a bit embarrassing for that. Well, yeah, indeed. Um, Dartford go to Chippenham on Saturday. Welling, who didn't play this weekend, are also away. They go to Pool. Um, so a couple of long trips there into the Bostick League now. And we can only really start by talking about Margate and their superb win over league leaders Dulwich Hamlet on Saturday. Kane Hazeman's goal late on won it. Um, I heard it wasn't a great game, but they, they backed it up with a 0-0 draw against Leatherhead on Tuesday. And all I've read about that game is that it was freezing cold. Just three points outside the playoffs now, Margate. They're, they're certainly making the most of their five games at, at home in a row. And the final two this week, Tootin and Mitchell on Saturday and Thurrock on Tuesday. Going well for Margate? Yeah, I think I think one of the benefits you mentioned about their goalkeeping situation, I Lenny Pitchley was at the game on Saturday that Sergeant, who's come on loan from late Lloyd's, come in and uh, sort of, you know, looks a good goalkeeper. He's played uh, League, two, League Two football last season. I know not the most successful late Lloyd's side, but uh, I think he's been impressive uh, for them. And I'm absolutely delighted with him and uh, how he's passing in the defence. They've got some experienced defenders in there, Margate. I think it would have been tough for them to win five home games on the spin, but Thorat coming up, um, uh, and as you say, tooting on Saturday, tooting near the bottom, so they can get three points there, and Thorat. I don't know what sort of Thurrock side will do. They're not the greatest side away from home. So, all in all, okay, Margate, games in hand, they've got a good chance if they can just keep up that um, thing, consistently stop, you know, if they seem to stop conceding goals, they can get into the playoffs and to be in there with Folkestone. Indeed, well, Tommy Angels was 1-0 at Leatherhead on Saturday, but then won by the same score at Enfield on Tuesday night. While Folks are still third after their 2-0 win over Lowestoft on Tuesday, which is uh, probably handy as on Saturday they were at home to... Lowestoft. Um, Angels go to Leeston. We talked last week about that Folkestone against Lowestoft game and why it was being played this week. Um, now Folkestone have won it, they probably won't be that bothered, but I don't know if there may have been some ruling that they had to get that away game in before they could play the home game. I think you've got to be, it must have been postponed for a cup. It has to be played within six weeks of the um, the original fixture, which I think is ludicrous, but um, particularly this time of year, why are you sending Folkestone middle of, I'm sure it was absolutely freezing in Suffolk is that lower stuff that was that yep. it must be Suffolk right? Right by the coast um, as well. Yeah, I think it's yeah, but 
but you only get that in non-league football when you play team on Tuesday and then you play them again on a Saturday and probably the odds will be they're probably lower stuff to probably beat folks to now and so on that sort of thing that's what you've got to love non-league football bizarre fixture fixtures like that indeed uh, and obviously will it end with the Bostick League Division 1 South and they say a week's a long time in football and that's certainly been the case at Ashford United uh, we spoke to Jason Whitmore last week when Paul Barnes was his assistant not anymore Paul Barnes has now replaced Gary Alexander as Greenwich Borough manager and Alexander, after his brief spell playing for Chatton, is now Whitmore's assistant at Ashford. And from his post on Twitter, I think Alexander's pretty impressed with what he's seen so far um, at Ashford since, since he's moved there. And, and there's already been some comings and goings and they've brought back their title-winning goalkeeper from last year, which is, is big news for them. Yeah, I won't pronounce his surname. Big George is his apparently name from that point. You know, apparently, um, Alexander mentioned in the non-league paper that he would take over at the end of the season with Jason Whitmore, which we spoke to last week in the like he had an overview of the youth system he's going to go direct to a football so Gary Alexander had a stellar lower league career got a few contacts did a decent job at Greenwich doesn't have as much money at Ashford than he did at Greenwich but good luck to him there and maybe the lows of maybe August to October for Ashford are probably out of the way and they, and they can look forward to the rest of the season and I know they're talking already about promotion next season that's always good to hear Yeah and on the pitch um Ashford, who played Craig Wanderers after we record this on Wednesday, lost 4-0 at Walton Casuals on Saturday. Highly drew 0-0 at Corinthian Casuals. Ramsgate lost to East Grinstead. Faversham beat Molesy 2-1. Paul Barnes at Greenwich beat Herm Bay 1-0. Cray were 1-0 victors in Guernsey. Phoenix won 2-0 at Shoreham. Sittingbourne beat Hastings by the same score. Thameswood lost at South Park 2-1 and VCD were beaten 4-1 at home by Carl Shorten. Um, this weekend, there's a few Kent teams facing each other. The standout being Ashford against High. Um, Phoenix, Faversham host Phoenix and VCD meet Sittingbourne but the biggest game in that division this weekend is at Hayes Lane where Cray host Lewis in a clash of the top two whatever's happened on Wednesday night Lewis is the only team to beat Tony Russell's men so far so that could be a really good game don't you think Matt? Well Cray now if they win Wednesday night against uh, Ashford again they could be top of the table which I think probably the first time that Lewis had been knocked off so yeah only one defeat all season good record at home they're clearly enjoying the 3G surface so yeah Big game there, top two going up. Space from both sides, they won't want to try a draw. Probably wouldn't be a too bad for either side there. Um, Greenwich, we don't know how much Greenwich's finances are going to affect them with that. But yeah, Cray looking good for both sides. That should be a, a good game of football there. And I think uh, you know, probably putting the doom and gloom on it, but I expect goals in that game. Well, there you go. That's that's that one finishing nil nil. Then um, also put all your money on Folkestone beating Lowestoft again at the weekend after uh, Matt's Matt's tips. You look at my betting account again. Well, I, I know exactly how your betting account looks, mate. Um, elsewhere in that division this weekend, Herne Bay go down to Horsham, Thamesmead host Hastings, and Ramsgate travel to Walton Casuals, which will be a tricky one. But Lloyd Blackman's men. Um, that's just about it. Boreham for you on Saturday. I. I, I don't really like Bournemouth as a club much. I'd, I had some dealings with them when I was working at the papers and not many of them very pleasant. But I assume you, you don't have to pay to get in this weekend. Have they dropped that policy now? Well, I've got a notification pass to go through. I think I can wave at the Celebrity Big Brother house from Bournemouth, can't I? I think it's not too far from that. And, and he's also Albert Square. So uh, when I go, well, I've been there a couple of times, but yeah, it's not, it hasn't been a happy hunting ground and it's a big game. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can see the... Celebrity Big Brother house from there. I'm sure that must be around that way. Well, well, I know you're into reality TV, you tell me. I, I think it's somewhere in Borehamwood, yeah. And obviously John Barnes is there, so there was a, a football in there. Uh... I, I, I see, I didn't know that. There you go, yeah. Um, yeah, John Barnes is in, is in the Celebrity Big Brother house at the moment, I believe. So, Well, he, well I know he is, but he is up for eviction on Friday. So he, he may just be not walking around looking for a local game of football and you might just bump <laughs> right. into him. And... Oh, right, yeah. If, he's, yeah. if he's in the local area, we'll bring him on. We could do the job. 
We could do an impact player from the sub. From the bench. <laughs> we certainly could. Um, I don't know where I'm going to go Saturday. I've got two games in mind. It could come down to a toss of a coin or where my other half would perhaps prefer to go shopping. Um, the two on my radar are Ashford against Hythe and Rochester against Sevenoaks. I, I, I'm, I could go to either one of those. Um, Ashford, I think, of course, the outlet there. Yeah, exactly. So that, which, I, which, you, which I go around, walk around after about five minutes and think, why the hell have I gone there? So I reckon you should go to Rochester. I don't know, but shopping's like a Rochester thing. No, I, I, I must admit, I do quite fancy the Rochester game. So we shall see how the weekend pans out. But uh, yeah, thanks very much, as always, for listening to us. Um, it's been another another good show. I hope you've enjoyed it again. Um, as always, get in touch with us on social media, on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast and on Facebook at Kent Non-League. Um, so it's been another good week and, and hopefully there'll be more good stories to come out of next week. Uh, Matt, anything final you want to say before we sign off? Uh, no. Good luck, Michael Felicitas. Well, there you go. That sums up this week's show perfectly in, in four words. Thanks very much, Matt, as always. And thanks to everyone for listening and we shall speak to you all next week.